really focusing on a growth mindset. I think that's really, really, really important. There's so many fun, even like posters that you could hang in the classroom just about the power of yet, making it important to note that you can't do this yet. Doesn't mean you can never do this. It's just not at this time because we're working towards it. And that's for both a reminder for the students and the classroom staff. I mean, there's so many great studies about just the power of promoting a growth mindset in an education setting or even in your own home with your own family. So I think the benefits of that are really helpful and would help the staff to maintain patience with themselves and the students, regardless of how quickly or slowly that progress is going. Hey there, and welcome to the Speechy Side Up podcast. My name is Benita Litvak, and I am so grateful you're here. I'm an ASHA certified speech language pathologist, author, and augmentative and alternative communication consultant who is obsessed with helping SLPs like you stop reinventing the wheel and connect with other SLPs in the trenches. Have you ever wondered how other SLPs seem to be doing it all with ease? Well, around here, you'll get to hear firsthand how SLPs are really getting things done while keeping evidence-based practice and self-care in mind. Think of this as a coffee date with your SLP friends. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while we learn together. So we've got Kim Tice back on the podcast today. If you are not familiar with Kim, go back to the very first episode of the Speechy Side Up podcast or go back to the episode that came out last week. I feel like that gives a pretty brief summary of Kim and her involvement with the podcast over the years. Kim, thanks for coming back on. Oh, thanks for having me. For someone who has gone so long now, all of a sudden you can't get rid of me. I know. (laughs) I keep texting her. I'm like, so would you like to do an episode again? (laughs) Um, But you'll definitely be seeing more of Kim or hearing more of Kim throughout this season. We have a lot of episodes coming this year. We're in the process of looking at applications. We had over a hundred applications to go through. So Kim is going to take a look at them as well and decide which one she wants to pop on. So you'll definitely be hearing a lot more from her too. And I always think it's good to have multiple perspectives in these conversations. For sure. For sure. I feel like it's very rarely that um walk away from a conversation with a group of therapists and you don't come back with all these ideas, right? Everyone always right. wants to share. So absolutely. So we asked our audience to tell us what are the top AAC questions that they have. And this week we chose a question that we're going to basically be talking about this entire episode. So last week we talked about five tips for getting caregiver support with AAC implementation. And this question is, how do you get the entire team to use a child's device? So I feel like they kind of go in tandem, but this one is more about school teams, I'm assuming. So Kim and I came up with 10 different strategies or tips that you can use to get an entire team to use the child's device. I guess I'll go first. (laughs) My first tip would be to identify opportunity barriers. So these could be different policies within schools, what people actually know about AAC and what myths they might be still holding on to could be practice barriers, skill barriers. So if people don't feel comfortable using the AAC system, that could be a barrier in supporting the AAC user. And then attitude barriers, how do they feel towards AAC in general? 
One way that I like to identify those barriers is a free resource in my TBT store. It's the AAC Implementation Self-Assessment. It's part of the trial core word of the year resource. So if you don't have that, you can go and get it for free. And on there, there's 10 questions that I would give teams and they would rate it on a scale of one to three. And it kind of gave me an idea of where they're still holding, you know, certain attitudes or false beliefs. And then we could like work on those through training. So it'd be my number one tip. How about you, Kim? Just a piggyback off that comment too. I was actually going to mention that. I think that it's really important to not ignore the elephant in the room of that attitude barrier, right? I think it's really important for SLPs to acknowledge that to an extent, some school staff definitely might look at it as they're getting the short end of the stick and we have the easier position. A lot of times when you have a high needs kid, this classroom staff's like, well, we're here with them all day long and you get to come here and pull them out or push in for therapy and kind of pop around. I think they perceive it as an easier job. It's not, but I think sometimes it's perceived that way. And sometimes classroom staff can be so, so overwhelmed. And then we're coming in saying, Hey, please use this device. And like, they're just hearing, you want me to do more things. And, and I don't want to do that. And I think that can be really overwhelming. So I definitely think it's really important to acknowledge that and cultivate as positive a relationship with that classroom staff as you can. And I'm not, I'm not, this sounds, I'm saying bribery. I'm not saying bribery, but when I was a push-in therapist in the schools for many years, I did like sometimes bring the classroom staff donuts or a little box of munchkins or here and there, or just something small, just sometimes to remind them that I appreciate their support on the day to day. And I think that can go a long way. Not that I'm saying bribery is number two tip, but I think it's important to remember that. Yeah, for sure. Those are great pieces of advice. Yeah. So when, when those people are feeling overwhelmed, this kind of leads me to tip two, which is reminding the staff that we are not asking them to reinvent the wheel and just keep things functional. There's so many functional ways to use core vocabulary. And I think they see us rolling in with these devices sometimes and expect that we want them to generate full lesson plans and the full activity every day and squeeze that in. Whereas they're not realizing there's so many things so many times during the day that using the device could be modeled from even just opening and closing the door in and out of the classroom, turning the lights on and off for different activities or leaving the room, snack time, and just all the daily functional tasks are the best places to put AAC like use and implement it there. So I think it's really important to tell them we're not trying to get them to reinvent the wheel at all. Yeah, I feel like for us, it's so second nature that sometimes we forget to explain those things. So I am glad that you brought that up because if we make it clear with someone who's newer to AAC that it does not involve you, you mentioned this in the last episode, you don't need to model every single word that you're saying. You don't need to use the device explicitly for, or program a page explicitly for this activity, right? For us, we know that, but remembering to mention that is a good idea. Yes. And what you also said about thinking about everyone in the staff, some of those aides in that room might be maybe on on the older side of things and using a cell phone or all the passwords and online profiles that you have to make each day might be extremely overwhelming for them. And then we're like, also don't use your regular voice. We're now we're going to use this device to talk. And that's, you know, they just hear technology overload without giving it a chance. They might have that predisposition. So I think it's important to come from a real place of understanding and also make sure that it's so clear that it doesn't have to be as hard as they think it is. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that leads to my third recommendation, which is to identify a team leader. So I want to make it very clear that everyone is responsible for providing aided language simulation, for making sure the device is out and available. But if there's no clear leader, then no one has to take responsibility if the device is not being implemented. So some of the things that people have tried, like I know of teams that have put contracts in place. So if you feel like it needs to happen, then maybe that's something you and your team could do. And it could be something that you work on together with reasonable requirements in the contract. But another thing is, even though the SLP might be the most knowledgeable about AAC, the leader needs to be someone who spends the most time with this client. And then the SLP collaborates with that leader to provide direction and feedback. But ideally, if you don't go the contract route, making sure that it's at least in writing so that a year from now, if the SLP changes, then the next SLP can pick up with that team leader. Do you have any other thoughts about having a team leader? I mean, I think that's really a good idea. And and one of my next points was going to be about the importance of consistent accountability. And I think that that had not been something that had crossed my mind, but without a leader, it almost seems impossible to maintain consistent accountability without one person making sure, driving the bus, so to speak. And I think that's important. And I do think that that leader has to be having at least more of a positive attitude about AAC than maybe some of the other classroom staff, just to ensure success with the implementation. Definitely. And I think that you can't get everybody together all of the time for trainings, right? So at least if you can meet with the leader and provide ongoing training, then they can impart that information onto the other staff. There's no way you can get everybody in the classroom to come and sit on a training unless it's a teacher work day and you're very, very, very lucky. (laughs) They have other things going on. So it's really hard to get everybody together. So yeah, having that team leader is essential. And what I found to really help out in making AAC implementation successful in the classroom. No, that makes a lot of sense. And something else that I thought about in terms of checking the accountability was make sure that you don't just check the accountability in a negative way. Oh, there wasn't enough history on the device. It's really important to acknowledge the positive days too, that, oh my gosh, look at all the activity on the device. And I think that sometimes the demands that we may place on classroom staff might seem a little, maybe too high of an expectation to them when they're overwhelmed already and frustrated with work. But I think that just keeping the accountability with the classroom device can help make your point too a little bit, because if you go in and you're modeling extensively for the student and the student's also replying back to you and you go ahead and after 30 minutes, take a look at the device history and you guys were consistently using it back and forth and you're consistently consistently using it each minute, you're going to have a lot of activity on there. And so I think showing people, look at all that was done in this 30 minutes that you just watched where we were doing very functional things. This is how the history log should look. I think it also can be a little better than saying to someone, make sure you use this 20 times an hour. That just sounds, oh my God, 20 times an hour. But when you see how quickly that went or how smoothly it could be infused into the day, I think that it becomes a lot less overwhelming. Yeah. I love that point. Mm -hmm. All right. So what's your number four tip? So actually piggybacking off that too, emphasizing the positive. I think it's so important to cheer people on when they're doing the right thing because everybody 
deserves positive reinforcement, right? That's not just a thing that's reserved for our clients. And people do want to do better when they feel appreciated. There's tons of studies that show that. And I feel asking people for consistent consistent demands or newer policies or procedures is really difficult if you're not going to cheer them on when they're doing the right thing. And it makes for such a much more positive culture between the entire team, which ultimately just like leads through to really nice interactions that are even modeled for the students in that room. Yeah, I love that. I'll add some ideas for that because I think that along with the positive feedback, you can also celebrate wins and some fun ideas. Like you mentioned, not bribery, but like (laughs) (laughs) feeding them to something, um, getting a little gift card. You can make them a little certificate uh, with it or a sash. I think you've done this before, Kim, that says America's next top modeler. And then maybe you can have one that's really special and you maybe rotate it each week or each month. Like, hey, this assistant earned it this month. Let's see who earns it next month. And that's a low cost or no cost celebration idea. You can offer to volunteer in the classroom, give them a little break. You could bring in flowers or teaching supplies. Like you mentioned, some treats. But do you have any other ideas, Kim? I also think in that whole positive culture, it's really nice to build AAC into that positive culture. So if you have a staff member who has a birthday and everyone's singing happy birthday, maybe have an expectant pause and have have your client hit you instead of everybody just singing it. And that can be a fun way to make AAC part of this positive little celebration. Plus, because also acknowledging people's special days ultimately, again, leads to that whole overall positive culture where everyone wants to work together better. Yeah. And that was something that we were really good at when we were working together. Our team was really good at celebrating birthdays and you guys make cakes with symbols on it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I think I'm trying to remember. I think that we had like an entire core board for someone who got married or maybe it was a baby shower or something like that. It was, it was fun though. Yeah. All right. So my fifth tip would be, this is an obvious one, but to provide training and support, but provide it on an ongoing basis. So we don't just provide one training and we're done. We provide training throughout the year. And one way that I would kind of tailor my trainings is using that self-assessment that I described earlier. So I would see where the ratings were, what people needed training on, And then I would do it again, maybe four months down the road, just like we do reavals or progress monitoring. We need to do the same with the staff and see what has changed and then what they still need help with. So that would be my next piece of advice. Yes. I think that ongoing piece is so important. So important because even think about us, right? When we go for professional development, you leave the professional development, you have all these notes and a binder and you're like, I'm going to implement everything. I'm on top of the world. And then that starts to kind of drop off a little bit as you get further and further out from the time you actually attended that training. And maybe you do implement a bunch of things, but it's not as fresh and exciting in your mind and you're not as motivated by it. Right. And so I think that that's the natural tendency with us. And I know this is a personal character flaw of mine that is not just a work thing. It's with my children or everything else. I tend to assume that people hear me the first time and understood me the first time and that's it. We're good now. And not that they need repeated reminders. And I think that it does, just like you said before, come as second nature to us, but it is not second nature to other people. So ongoing, even just refreshing some of the same information that you've given is going to be really helpful. 
Absolutely. Yep. I totally agree. All right. Number six, really focusing on a growth mindset. I think that's really, really, really important. There's so many fun, even like posters that you could hang in the classroom just about the power of yet making it important to note that you can't do this yet. Doesn't mean you can never do this. It's just not at this time because we're working towards it. And that's for both a reminder for the students and the classroom staff. I mean, there's so many great studies about just the power of promoting a growth mindset in an education setting or even in your own home with your own family. So I think the benefits of that are really helpful and would help the staff to maintain patience with themselves and the students, regardless of how quickly or slowly that progress is going. Yeah, I love the growth mindset. It just in general as a life skill is such a good, good thing to have around. <laughs> yes, yes, I definitely agree. And it takes, the thing is too, with that, that is again, an ongoing thing. That's not like one day you bring it up and that's it. It's constantly promoting that and bombarding kiddos with that. And it really does decrease frustration too. And, and I think helps them approach things with such a healthy, positive attitude. Yeah. Yeah. It's something I have to remember to keep using with my daughter because she's at that stage now where she'll get a little defeated if she can't do something. And I believe in the growth mindset, but I forget to use that with her. So thanks for the reminder. Yes, I've done that too with my kiddos. There are times where I feel like I get really on it. And then other times I kind of drop off. And then later on after they're asleep and it's too late to have a conversation about it now. And that would have been a great place to infuse this strategy or this technique. And I know. Would have... I'm going to wake you up right now so we can have this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, so funny. We are actually, as a side note, waking Liv up right now at 11 o'clock at night every night because she decided that she doesn't want to wear a pull-up anymore in her bed. And at first I was like, what are we doing? This is wild. We should not be waking her up. But she sleeps through the whole thing. <laughs> she literally- Oh my gosh. She'll actually go to the bathroom and is still sleeping. And we put her back in the bed. We use that book, Oh Crap. And oh. <laughs> recommended. We recommended it doing it back like at 22 months when we first started with Liv and we were like, eh, no. But now that she asked not to sleep with a pull-up, but still can't go through the whole night by herself, we started implementing that. Major yeah. side note. <laughs> yeah. That's that's super awesome that she can just go back to sleep. My my kiddos would not be able to do that if they woke up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were afraid of that, but thankfully it works if anybody is in that stage of their life right now. All right. Number seven, pick one target together. So we talked about atomic habits and the start with why books in the last episode. If you don't know what I'm talking about, definitely go back to that episode in terms of building good habits in that book, James clear talks about how you have to break it down so much that let's say you're trying to work up to going to the gym for 30 minutes a day. You might only go for one minute at the beginning. And then once you're going consistently for one minute, then you bump it up to two minutes and then three minutes. So I am a firm believer in, we already talked about how overwhelmed classroom staff can be. Just pick one target for them to work on. And I've always found that doing a core word is a great place to start, but I would say give the caregiver choice or give the classroom staff choices as much as possible. What do they want to work on? What's already in their curriculum? Maybe there's a sight word maybe that they're working on that you could use as the core word because they're going to know when it's going to be the best time to target in the classroom and they're going to know what activity is going to be the most feasible for them to implement it. 
So that would be my suggestion is just to start with one target and kind of like build up from there. What do you think, Kim? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think it also seems less overwhelming for them, like you said, and generally, right. If people have a bit of a choice in the goals that they're working on, they're more motivated to work towards them rather than if it's just something someone hands you and tells you what to do. So I think that's an entire different attitude shift. Yeah, totally. Yeah, definitely. Something that popped in my head earlier when you said it about making a page and also again now was just the consistent focus on obviously pick the the target together, but the consistent focus on core because it just comes in everywhere. And I think people get so stuck on fringe vocabulary, so stuck on, I need to make an entire different page for this activity and you just don't need to. And I think if you really, really push the importance of that, it just becomes ultimately so much easier to implement. Yeah. It is hard at the beginning. It's so counterintuitive, I think, to do that. But then once you learn that skill set, you can target vocabulary in any setting, any activity using core words. And of course, use fringe words as well. But we always say have that 80-20 balance. Yes, no, definitely. And sometimes even too now with students that I have on virtual therapy, I'll just use a core board that has no fringe on there because it's just doesn't have to be changed out for the activity. It's my quick go-to for just a variety of different activities. So there really is just so much you can do with it and people just don't realize. And I think if you early on in your trainings push that whole point of you don't need to have every word on there, then that makes people a lot more open to it. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so number eight, I would say, you kind of mentioned this earlier, but practice together. So show them how to use the strategy during their optimal activity. For example, you can model how to say more on the AAC, and then you're going to let that classroom staff, whether it's a teacher or an assistant, try it while you observe, and then you'll give specific feedback. So there's a couple of different, I guess this could be number nine, (laughs) providing specific feedback. So There is something called the Verbal Practice of Strategy Steps by Kent Walsh and McNaughton for aided language input. And so I would definitely recommend that, but it's basically describing and naming the required steps out loud. So for instance, I'm looking for the word more. Oh, it's on the homepage and it is in blue because it's an adjective. We're going to say more to get more paper for this art activity. That's going to help the assistant know what I'm thinking about and know that this isn't, this more is an easy word to find on a device, but let's say we're finding a fringe word and it's categorized in pages, three pages away. I have to navigate three pages by talking out loud about those steps. I'm letting them know that this isn't that easy for me to find either. There's thousands of words on this device. I don't know where every single one of them are, even though I'm an AAC advocate and I feel very confident with AAC, it's impossible to know where every single word is on the devices. So Verbal practice of strategy. And then the other one I would say is s'mores by Center and Bod. And probably heard about this strategy. It's talked about a lot, but it is a mnemonic, right? That's what you call it, a mnemonic for slow rate, modeling, respect and reflect, repeat, expand, and stop. So those are different strategies that you're using when you are um, providing specific feedback to a caregiver who is trying to learn the AAC system. So for example, 
look, you modeled go without expectation. And Sally, the student used the same word on the AAC system when she wanted to go outside. That was versus, oh, you did a good job modeling. I'm giving very a very specific example of when they used the target with that student. Yes. No, I think that's, I think really specific examples are helpful. And I can't say enough. Well, I know it's come up several times here now, but positivity, I think that's really important. I actually have, so I have an assistant when I do the virtual therapy, right? And I have multiple kids with devices. And then I also have on-screen devices I'll use at times. But there was a point in the beginning of the school year where Shayla, my assistant, who's wonderful, she's just so patient and so lovely. But when you're new to this, people just overprompt so much, right? Or they're just, I think, uncomfortable with that silence of the expectant pause sometimes. And so she was definitely that. And so I talked to her a little bit about that. And just the other day, I was I've noticed she's gotten a lot more comfortable with this silence. And I was after the session, I was, Shayla, check out those expectant pauses. They (laughs) were just wonderful because it was really useful in that particular session. And I think that specific feedback is really important. So that's an awesome example. I love that. I think we kind of mentioned this, but just want to reiterate it. So this will be number 10, because I don't think it was a specific strategy we talked about, but monitoring progress just like we do with our students, the team needs some form of accountability. So whether it's through data tracking sheets, periodic language sampling, but you want to do it about every four to six weeks. What do you think about that, Kim? I think that really makes sense because you need enough time to actually get an appropriate amount of data. I also think if you're really smart about how you present the data, it might make people less uncomfortable with that. I have in the past kept just a a very large grid in the classroom and had all the different functions of language that were used, commenting, requesting, protesting, and other social ones, and kept that on there for the student and had the class staff check off each, each just maybe, I don't know that it was an hour, but each subject, because it was a self-contained class, during that time, how many times were were those functions of language used with a device? But I think that over time, you can kind of look at that as a little bit of a measure of how on top of the AAC implementation, the staff is too. If you're making sure that those data sheets are monitored, then you have really clear, wonderful data on exactly how many times the student's independently using the device. It also gives an indicator of not just how much they're tracking it, but how much it's being used. If you're watching over the course of several months, more and more utterances begin to occur. Yeah. I like the idea of the checking off the language functions throughout the day. That's a really good idea. Mm -hmm. I know. I feel like we have to do like a tour in our AAC sessions because some of it, I don't, again, it's second nature, but I think people seeing like what's actually happening would be really cool. So an idea for a future episode that have to be definitely on YouTube so people can (laughs) see what's going on, but I think that would be really cool. That would be really fun. Yeah. So yeah. I think we did through all 10. Look at us. <laughs> I feel we combined two and then wound up coming up with extras. <laughs> this is yeah. always how the AAC conversations go. Yeah, <laughs> I think this is this is going to be super helpful for people. And then if anybody has additional questions or other ideas, reach out on Instagram, speechy side up, or send us a email. We send out our weekly newsletters. Thanks to Kim now. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> We're actually letting you guys know which episodes are coming out every week now. We definitely needed some extra help with that. So Kim's been taking those reins, which I really appreciate. 
But anything else, Kim, before we wrap up today? No, no, that's it. That's it. Awesome. Thanks, Kim. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. By the way, have you joined the SSU crew yet? By joining, you get access to the free goods section on our website, plus podcast updates, special event notifications, and therapy inspiration. You can sign up at bit.ly slash join SSU crew, all lowercase, or just find the link in this episode description. Also, don't forget to take a screenshot of this episode so that you can always refer back to it and share it on social media if you really love the topic. Take care and remember to always fill your speechy side cup first before you can pour into others.